Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From Postcard from the Past and the award-winning Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is a place where we study azure skies, red-jumpered schoolboys and oversized black cats as we investigate old picture postcards, their messages and their images as they take us from banality to heartbreak via kind wishes and weather reports. And we explore what it is that causes us to keep hold of these little cardboard rectangles. Each time I welcome a guest and it's their postcards that act as small clues to direct us towards memories, mysteries and stories. I'm Tom Jackson. I'm delighted to say that today my guest on the podcast this time is writer and autograph dealer, uh, Adam Andrusia. Adam, welcome to Podcast from the Past. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, Adam runs Andrusia Autographs, dealing in high-end autographs, letters, manuscripts. Uh, when I say high-end, he's currently selling items from Sigmund Freud, Albert Einstein and Billie Holiday. This is serious stuff. But Adam started small. And the story of how he went from nervous schoolboy knocking on Ronnie Barker's front door to international autograph dealer is told in his very funny, touching memoir, The Autograph Hunter, out now in shiny paperback and highly recommended. Now, Adam joins us today bearing a HA5 postmark. Is that what I can see? I'm afraid so. Where's that? It's Pinner, Middlesex. Right. Yeah. Deepest, darkest Middlesex. Well, it's not that deep in that dark, but it's beyond... What you'd call London. I didn't get the London postcode. So you'd go into London. I'd have to go into London. And, I, and the, the book very much is set, really the first half of it, it's all set in Pinner. Yeah. I think the suburban setting is quite key for, for I'm trying to understand what was going on in my, in my psyche when I became obsessed with famous people as a kid. I think it was the sort of ordinariness of the, of the scene around me um, and the sort of solicitors and lawyers and doctors living all side by side. Uh, but then it turned out Ronnie Barker lived down the road. So, so in fact, famous people did live there. Were, there was the odd famous person, yeah. Molly Weir, I don't know if you remember her. She used I to be do. a rent flash. ghost. Did yeah. she do Flash Flash on that television advert? Oh, yeah, I think that might be right. But I remembered her as the witch from uh, Rent-A-Ghost. Oh, yes, yes. And she used to walk down my street and was very friendly <laughs> and very Scottish. So that was another point of, of fascination to me. Molly Weir, Ronnie Barker. I suppose if you're in the suburbs, and I sympathise deeply, uh, <laughs> I was from the other, other side of London, but, but similar suburbs, you 
definitely know the names of the famous people who live nearby. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you live here in the West End, you wouldn't have a clue because there'd be everyone. Absolutely. But, uh, it's definitely a thing. People people all were, were keeping keeping tabs on Ronnie Barker's movements. Yeah, sure. it's sort of the opposite of Stella Street. You're in the, the street. There's, <laughs> there's no famous people except for that one or two. Yes, exactly. Now, Adam, when did you last send a postcard? Oh, my gosh. Now you're asking. I think it's probably... I went to Senegal on this very odd trip. We'd met, we met some people when we were on holiday who then subsequently said, do you want to go to Senegal? Wow. Uh, which we never would have done ourselves because they're not particularly intrepid. But they, we thought, well, let's just do it. So we went to Senegal. And I think because I was in such a, an unusual place, I seem to remember sending postcards from there. But that's probably five, six years ago. I imagine it might be quite difficult to send cars from Senegal. Is the postal yeah, service good? The po- you need to use your hotel and hope for the best. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah, I don't like giving things to the concierge. You never know what's going to happen. It's true. Very good. Now, before we see and hear about the cars that Adam's brought along, um, I'll give a quick one of mine. And this, of course, is a postcard from the past postcard, like I do in Twitter and in my book. An old card from which I've selected just a part of the message. Um, now, this is a card... It's ridiculous, really. It's, it's, it's a multi-view of Windsor, but the central panel is all of a chap in a bear skin. Um, that, that look they have where they're... Um, the, the, the front of the hat is right over their eyes. I don't know mm. why that's the sort of official way to do it. It's ridiculous to me. I think you, you, anyway, they don't have to walk very far in the last place. Anyway, this was sent um, to Little Kimball near Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire, and it was sent uh, 28th of August 1985. And the Royal Mail is celebrating 350 years of service to the public in business to serve you. That must have been their slogan at the mm, time. Mm. I don't know what the slogan would be now, but mm. anyway, in business to serve themselves. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, sent by someone called Emma, and it's sent to someone called Flo, Mrs. Marshall, Flo Marshall. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just plays to the sense that I have trouble. When people tell me complicated stories about logistical things, I get very muddled and this is like a, a message designed to play on that because I, I can't follow it anyway dear Flo I was pleased to speak to you on the phone but it was such a bad line I couldn't tell you much fair enough I had a lovely holiday with Stan but as soon as you'd put the phone down Stan rang to say he'd fallen and broken his wrist and can't go to Cyprus in 10 days time I'm off to Northampton on Friday we'll come and see you some time Look after yourself, Emma. Hmm. So uh, I think they've had a holiday, and then another holiday is going to be cancelled, but then she's going to Northampton anyway. So <laughs> I, I don't know. That's um, it, it was very important that Flo got to hear that. I think that's, that's the main thing. Uh, I'll give you one more quick one. This is Great Yarmouth. Um, a Paul Grave card. Paul Grave produced these cards of uh, East Anglia, and they are universally... Um, I don't know if they're poorly produced. They just look so poor. They look so shoddy. There's something about this. This has sort of little lenses. Like, I suppose like sunglasses lenses, maybe. Yeah. Um, four views, and um, in one of the views is uh, a sort of model village, I think. Then something that looks like a well, casino, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Then a sort of boat on a another boating canal things in Great Yarmouth, and then the end of the pier. This card's from 1984. Certainly at some stage. Didn't Jim Davidson own the pier at Great Yarmouth? Oh, that's right, I think. Um, anyway, playing, playing at the theatre, and, and these are names that you may or may not have picked the autographs up as a kid. Mm-hmm. Russ Abbott? 
Yeah, for sure. Very good. The Crankies? No, but I did see them once. When Notoriously I went to... hard to get hold of. <laughs> <laughs> you did, where did you see them? Um, I saw them at Cracker Jack. There was a school trip to go and see Cracker Jack. And actually there was a shot of the... They'd turn the cameras to the audience and everyone would be jumping up and down screaming. And when they turned to the audience, I jumped and just fell behind the back <laughs> of one of the seats. <laughs> I wish I had that recording still, but yeah. Oh, YouTube? Well, Do your job. Look, yeah. <laughs> And then the other people there, Les Dennis, young Les Dennis. Do you know, I don't think I ever wrote to Les Dennis. Still time. Not too late. <laughs> and then, oh, and Jim Davidson. Yeah, I don't know if I wrote to him either. Yeah, you're just saying that. Of course you did. <laughs> anyway, this is um, sent from Norwich and it's sent to Hertfordshire, Kings Langley in Hertfordshire. And it's from, sent from Bob and Julia uh, to Mummy and Daddy. So I don't know who's Mummy and Daddy, Bob and Julia. Bob, is it Bob's Mummy or Julia? I don't mm. know. And... Yeah, they're, they're having us a mixed time. They said, Dear Mummy and Daddy, hello. Since I spoke to you and said the weather was really good, it's got worse. Went on the beach twice, and Tuesday we spent all our money in the town. Now we've got to live on cornflakes, tea, and Nick's toilet rolls. <laughs> I don't know who Nick is. Yeah. <laughs> he and Rob, oh, he's with Rob, Bob, he and Bob, have had our pictures drawn by a computer. And today, if the weather doesn't clear up, we're going to the swimming pool in Great Yarmouth. It's got a wave machine. See you when we get back. Probably Sunday, we'll let you know. And I suppose the two things that intrigue me on that is the technology. Mm. Um, having your picture drawn by a computer. I could just imagine that as a seaside sort of novelty that you'd mm-hmm. go and, and I'd love to know what it looked like. Well, probably like one of those etch-a-sketches or something. Yeah. yeah. I had a look on the internet to see if I could find the thing and... and you know, picture, computer. It's very hard to know how they to search for that. very basic at that point. Yeah, and I remember wave machines being very exciting in mm. pools. But uh, anyway, I, th- I think Bob and Julia got by and they were okay. Mm. Very good. Now, uh, Adam, you've been kind enough to bring along some cards with you. Mm. I think we're going to start with something from your childhood. Is that right? Yeah. So, in what fact, have you got? Uh, curious that you were calling those those ones that you showed uh, showed me historical because these are equally historical from 1985 <laughs> when I was 11 years old. So I was writing off to famous people, anyone that I could think of or anyone who my parents might suggest to me. Half the time, didn't know who I was writing to. Really? Um, so you, you used no, their, really. their, their ideas? It was their ideas, or I'd go and look through the who's who and I'd just write to someone if they sounded famous. Um, <laughs> and so in, in these cases, I think I did know who these people were when I wrote to them, but they would have received very much sort of form letter. I'm 11 years old, one of your biggest fans. I just love the work you do as, and then it would just change. <laughs> Insert in, in role here, yeah. right. As a, in this case, poet. This is Ted Hughes. Wow. Um, and in this case, sort of director and miscellaneous stuff, Jonathan Miller. Oh, polymath. So, yeah, polymath. <laughs> so, so I'd write to people and ask them for autographs, and I would get... Um, Normally, things would arrive in sealed envelopes. You know, it would be a, a signed card or a signed publicity photo, or sometimes a little letter would be sent. But when you asked me to come and talk to you about postcards, these two immediately popped into my head because they were sort of aberrations at the time. Right. Postcards that arrived in the post, one from Ted Hughes, which got a bit of a smudge on it. And I remember thinking, oh, no, it's got a smudge on it. Yes. But of course, that's because it was exposed and yes. it was sent as a postcard. A rainy, it was a rainy day yeah. in... July. July 1985. (laughs) And the other being Jonathan Miller. And all they say is sort of best wishes from Jonathan Miller and one. And the other one is to Adam Andrusia, greetings from Ted Hughes. Um, And I remember having a sort of combination of reactions to these, these two. One was because of the format of a postcard, it felt sort of closer in a way than a normal letter. Because you normally get these from friends or from 
uncles. Yes. But it's a bit like yes. uncles, like Uncle Ted and Uncle Jonathan were sending me little cards. The other thing that I remember thinking was on the back of the uh, the, the image side of the of the Jonathan Miller postcard is a sort of x-ray of water fleas. And I remember looking at that and thinking, yeah, I remember thinking, he's definitely trying to sort of educate me <laughs> in some way. And I remember thinking, that's really water nice of fleas. him. That's really nice of him. Um, and the, the Ted Hughes one has got a, another non-human on the, on the back, a sort of illustration of, of a buff-tailed bumblebee, which again felt like, you know, there's a slight sense of education. And looking back on it now 30 odd years later oh my god um i feel a bit as though they maybe were trying to redirect me a little oh. bit because there's this young kid writing to them sounding like a super fan and yes. these two people i think i'm not controversial in saying these are two quite intelligent men yeah and they might have thought this little kid needs to think about other stuff he's just looking at the fame layer exactly right. he's looking at the surfaces so looking at it now I feel like well he's showing me the inside of a, of a, of a water flea yeah. so I feel a bit like there was a message there yeah but you didn't go on I to become an entomologist or... <laughs> I didn't pick up the message at all no. but they've had to choose the cards and that is really nice that's, yeah, that's different is. from uh, just using the first piece of paper that comes to hand or absolutely and and also, the funny thing was, some years later, probably about five years later, when I used to go um, to stage doors and try and get autographs in person, there was a time when Jonathan Miller was there and I asked him for his autograph and he said, no, I don't do that. So that sort of adds weight, I think, to my theory that he might have been trying to right. put me off autographs with the image of the You must water have felt please. very smug that day because you didn't, well, actually, well, I happened to yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't have time to say, you've already given it to me. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> they're, they're both written in... Um, proper fountain pen as well yeah it does look like it yeah which nowadays that would almost be an affectation and i love the stamp as well the 17p yeah stamp. it's a lot more than i'd think even for then but anyway there you go yeah. 17p well this one looks like it was cheaper your one that's that yours was 13p maybe second class oh gosh yours was second class they well, wanted run, to get they'd, this first they'd run class. out of money oh no that's the other one <laughs> this one's six, they were, 16 yeah living and, on toilet paper and i think stamps changed a lot quickly they were always changing yeah a bit like now actually yeah, I don't even know. How much is a first-class stamp now? God it's knows. over a pound, I think. Oh, my gosh. That's very good. So, I mean, I should say, people who've read your book will know, but you were in a household of collections because yes. your dad is a clean collector. He is. He collects postcards of synagogues that were destroyed by the Nazis, and he has an absolutely massive collection, but he still has a real appetite. So he goes to postcard fairs, uh, gets up crack of dawn, um, has dealers that keep things back for him, and and he's on eBay looking for stuff. And he's still he's still he's still buying. He never sells anything. He really right. is a proper proper old school collector. And he's not here in the room to ask the question, so I'll ask you: mm. What's driving him to to collect those things? I think he definitely. Whenever I, whenever he's heard me giving interviews and talking about his collection of. Postcards destroyed, synagogues destroyed by the Nazis. He's always quick to point out that his interest isn't in the destruction of the postcards by the Nazis. His interest is in the Jewish life that existed before the Holocaust. So he, I think, is interested in sort of proving or putting together a picture of of a life, a cohesive life that existed in you know these large parts of Europe that were just that you know there's no evidence you, you wouldn't necessarily and, and know for it. many many years for many many years yeah decades or or centuries. It's, I think, but I think the idea is interesting because people sometimes look at postcards about uh, collecting, collecting postcards, but collecting as a notion of preservation. 
somehow if you don't collect this thing to you, gather it to you and keep it well, it will somehow be lost. Mm. It's almost like the deluge. You're grabbing mm. this stuff from the deluge. But it's in a way, it sounds like your dad's collection is sort of doing that two ways. He's keeping the cards. He's getting hold of the cards. And, and, and we all know if you put cards together, you begin to create meaning. But also he's, he's collecting the, the story of that time before such terrible defining activities happened. Definitely. And he is, he is in many cases, I think, having the feeling of saving something from, from not, in some cases, not even being spotted as a Jewish card. So, for right. instance, he might have a street scene and he'll say, look over here in the distance, you can see there's a, that's a synagogue in the distance and that the person who sold it to him didn't yes. know that. Yeah, so, that's a nice moment as a collector. Yeah, absolutely. I think he really treasures those moments. So that, he definitely does also have that feeling of saving stuff from disappearing into the abyss. Oh, I, I completely understand it. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's funny reading your book. There's a moment in your book, and I think it's when it's around the time you're going to university, and, I, and you're kind of rede redefining yourself. And I'm aware a book is a literary construct. It's not all documentary fact. But there's this moment where you sort of look, look down on the idea of collecting and think, what a waste of time. What's a pointless activity? Mm. Um, but you, you seem a little less judgmental now. Yeah, I mean, I think in the book I was sort of trying to examine the psyche of a, a son who is both trying to uh, distinguish himself from his father, but also increasingly aware of his similarities to his father. So I was collecting other stuff, and then I could feel like, well, the stuff I collect is just different because it's famous people, and it's not about the past. It's about, you know, the current culture, or, you know, I could, I could tell myself it was quite different, but then in various ways it was becoming clear to me that I, I was a bit like my dad. I was obsessive like him. And then when I started to buy autographs of dead people and letters and documents, um, I did become more of a sort of more of a collector in, in line with, with my dad. And in fact, the two cards in front of us, which was you, you got live, as it were, mm. both those people are now dead. Yeah, they're both dead. So yeah. um, there is a sense that, 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 you know, if I want to get a, a, an autograph... A new autograph from Ted Hughes now. I can't. Not possible. I could probably get an old one from your 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 your, your dealership, but that's a separate story. Absolutely. So there is a sense of pres preservation, I suppose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, another quick card of mine. This is um, the Houses of Parliament. There you go. Uh, uh, now it's funny. You you were sort of talking about how you were intrigued by a sort of intimacy that you get by being sent a postcard from someone famous. Mm. And I absolutely get that. This is from 1971, and it's sent to Glasgow from John and David. I don't know what the relationship is. But I was intrigued by the openness. I mean, the thing is, when, when the postman delivered your cards, if they bothered to look, they'd think, well, young Adam's getting cards from famous people. Mm -hmm. you know, and whereas if you had a letter, they wouldn't really know who it was from. Um, but this, this, this is a strange thing to put on a, on a semi-public card. It says, um, Dear Crawf, friends called D. Crawford, nicknamed Crawf, both of us got jobs as clerical officers at the Department of the Environment. We're working a 41-hour week for over £15. Just now, I'm in charge of two telex machines in the communications section with my own secretary. <laughs> strange. <laughs> I don't know, you're a secretary, you're in charge of the machines and you've got a secretary. You, you learn quite a lot. E.g., £12 million is to be spent modernising Devonport so that it will be able to handle nuclear subs, Leander-class frigates, and, when they come into service, the new Type 21 and 22 frigates. 
So these sound like state secrets. That doesn't sound like... I, I, he doesn't understand what postcards are, this guy. <laughs> no, but he, he, I think he understands what espionage is. <laughs> because to. literally, this is about where nuclear submarines are going to go. And he's putting out a postcard to his friend in Glasgow. That's very interesting. Uh, then he says, David is working in the inquiries section and is much busier than I am. Yours, John and David. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously he couldn't contain himself, wanting to talk about what he'd heard. down. At, it's but, funny that you, you bring up that, that question when you say it's, it's semi-public, because I was thinking about that on my way over, that, that the choice to send a postcard, you do know that someone could read it other than the person you're sending it to. And that does, I think, slightly affect the, the tone that, yes. that you use. Um, normally. <laughs> normally, not in the yeah. case of the nuclear sub guy. But yeah, normally. Yeah, no, I think so. Or equally, I think sometimes I, I, I go to boxes and box these things. And if you get cards from teenage girls, they're often very cheeky. Mm. And I think they kind of want to scandalise... Their mother, if they look over their shoulder, they want to scandalise the postman, they want to scandalise the person who receives yeah. it, because it's all in the fun. The fun it reminded me of when, when I had pen pals, girls that I knew um, who lived in Manchester when I was sort of 13 or 14, they'd send letters and they'd write on the backs, S-W-A-L-K, which oh, meant yeah. sealed with a loving kiss. And then once someone wrote on the front, sign here if you're, if you're a sexy uh, postman. And, <laughs> and the guy wrote, yeah, I am, or something. Very on, good, on, yes. On so you're, you're so flirtatious, you're flirting <laughs> with someone you've never met <laughs> exactly just sort of on the off chance like <laughs> life is full of potential wow good girl. well yeah the, the post is a performance isn't it yeah so, uh, i think so yeah definitely definitely one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, you're listening to podcast from the past, the Postcard Podcast, and my guest today is Adam Andrusia. Uh, here's a surprise. We've received a postcard. Um, the postcard is of... Achilleon, I think you pronounce that, mm -hmm. uh, in Corfu. Lovely card, multi-view, yellow sort of bits that aren't got, haven't got pictures on. Uh, and the card's uh, from Brian Dennett, a Froom, and he says um, the answers are, one, River Avon, and two, the dungeon at Warwick Castle. Uh, sorry, Brian, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> right then. Uh, we better get on with the postcard <laughs> stories. Uh, Adam, your second cards, you've got a little, a little pair... These, are, these didn't come to you through the post, but they are postcards. 
Yeah, I would have had to buy these probably in Carnaby Street in those days. If you wanted to get photographs of famous people, you'd probably head to one of those cheap shops on Carnaby Street where there'd be pictures of, in this case, Richard Gere. It's um, from Pretty Woman. It's a picture of the of the film poster, but in postcard format. And this one, I can't imagine I got this in Carnaby Street. I don't know where I got this. It's McCoy Tyner, the jazz pianist. Oh. He played famously with, with John Coltrane. Much and harder I, to get hold of. Yeah, I wonder where I did get that. You couldn't, uh, that, I and wonder, you couldn't go on the internet. It wasn't since 1990s. It wasn't this is, yeah, I think this is around about 1990. The photograph was taken in 1984, so somewhere right. between 84 and I think I got this autograph because these are both signed, one by Richard Gere, one by McCoy Tyner, probably around 1990. So Could have did, been the National Portrait Gallery, maybe. Oh, used to sell if you were lucky, yeah, lovely cars. Yeah, but they only have what they have, though. They only, that's true. So I wonder where I got that one from. I really don't know, but I knew, I must have known that I was going to go and try and get these specific autographs. Yeah. So what's the story? How did you... What You got the cards ready. Yeah. How did you well, the stalk these of, people out? In the case of Richard Gere, my babysitter <laughs> at the time, her name was Heidi, um, she knew someone who was working at the Royal Academy and she knew I collected autographs and she said, oh, I hear Richard Gere's going to be there next Tuesday or whatever it was because there was an exhibition of Tibetan art oh, going okay. on and he was somehow sponsoring yes, it or yes. he was involved. So I had this sort of tip... Um, tip off and actually it would have been 19 actually probably 1992 because I was 18 and I was trying to get a job at Fortnum and Mason's I think I had an, an interview at Fortnum and Mason's which I I failed I didn't oh. get the job but I so I was dre- <laughs> they only take very smart people <laughs> I was dressed quite smartly but I didn't get the job um, and then I sort of popped to, to the Royal Academy and, and got and, and Richard Gere turned up and there weren't many people there so I managed to get close to him he was a bit rushed he was a bit unfriendly but he did do a little squiggle on here. And what's and your technique when you're trying to get to someone like that? How do you... It's like getting to them as quickly as you can. So when he came out of the car, you're like the first one there, okay. sh- you know, shoving this in his face. You know, and what, and, you, um, what, what did you used to say? I think it would just be pretty obvious what I wanted because I'd be thrusting okay. a pen towards it's them. It's a rhythm they know. Please sign here, Mr. Gear. Probably something like that. Um, and then later on that day, actually, or the next day, my saxophone teacher at school said, um, "What were you doing meeting Richard Gear?" And apparently it had been on Newsroom Southeast oh. or something. Someone had filmed this <laughs> this odd moment, yeah. Wow. And how about McCoy Tyner? Where was McCoy he? McCoy Tyner was performing probably at the Barbican. And I used to go, I was a big jazz fan, I still am. And I'd go to those concerts and just hang around at the stage door. And he turned up and he was he was quite a, quite vague, very tall, seemed quite confused. And was trying to get a pizza, I seem to remember. He was sort of asking where the nearest good pizza would be. Mm. Um, I think he thought he was in New York. But anyway, <laughs> so he, he signed that there, yeah. Wow. And in the, in the book, you, you, you talk at length about... Um your travails trying to pin down Ray Charles, <laughs> who you've got yeah. great admiration for, but well, in many ways, I think. Yeah, I re- I loved Ray Charles. Um, I loved his voice. I, I, I'm still into him. And I knew he was going to be tough because he um, he famously didn't sign autographs or he, he, he didn't like to do it. And he was blind, obviously. Um, and... You'd, if you wrote to him, he'd get these photographs that would be signed in beautiful flowing ink, best wishes, Ray Charles. But I, I'd heard that these were all fake. These were signed by his secretary. Um, 
Then I saw he was playing in London, and at some point or other, I had seen an old autograph book from the 1950s that had Ray Charles' signature in these big block capitals, very clearly written by a blind man. Okay. Um, and I saw, uh, this was corroborated by a couple of collectors that I knew, that he, he had, in fact, signed autographs in the 1950s, and he could, in fact, sign his name. So I went to the concert thinking, I'm gonna, I've got to try and get this autograph. Um, Ended up having a sort of weird double argument with him at the stage door, both before and after the concert. Which you don't yes. want. No, which you don't want really. But I asked him for his autograph and he said, um, he said, I don't sign nothing for no one. Okay. And, okay. and then I sort of begged him and he said, I can't write anyhow and right. disappeared off. And then that was like throwing down the gauntlet because I knew he could write. And so I just couldn't quite let it go that he'd said that. And he seemed to sort of be chuckling to himself as he went in and said that. Uh, so I went back again afterwards and said, oh, Mr. Charles, could you just sign with a cross? Um, at which point his bodyguard came over to me and said, um, what's your name? And I thought I might maybe be in trouble. So I said, Adam. And the bodyguard wrote in my book, to Adam, best wishes, Ray Charles. Oh. So that was as, as close as I got to Ray Charles's autograph. But it was kind of, you know, memorable. Yeah. And also, uh, it kind of raises a question. Now, sure, Ray Charles didn't write that. Mm. But that bit of writing on that bit of paper is is a record of that moment. And you know what? It has a I, better story in some I ways. I tore it out of my autograph book and threw it away. I Did was so you? upset. Did yeah, you? I wish I'd kept it now, especially since I've immortalised it in my book. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but, it, but it's funny because, I mean, it raises the question of authenticity, which is, you know, I was thinking about this and... In autographs, authenticity is everything, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's everything. I mean, it is. Um, it is. Grubby old postcards like I collect, I don't just mean the ones I use in the show, but like golden age postcards from the turn of the 20th century, they're kind of not worth faking because mm. they're not worth very much. There are fakes, it does exist, mm. but it just doesn't really, it's not the main thing. Mm -hmm. But autographs, given that they're so fakeable and authenticity is the is the kind of um, it's where the value lies. Mm. Uh, this must be a problem for you, especially as you go into the higher end uh, and you're yeah, buying and selling. Absolutely, it's a problem, and the, the forgeries, you know, they get better and better as uh, technology gets better. Um, it's an ongoing issue. It's a bit like computer viruses. You know, you've got to keep getting the better. You know, the antivirus stuff has to be keep up with the virus. Um, so yeah, it's an ongoing thing. But I also think it probably was that factor that drew me in deeper to autographs. The right. fact that. There were all these fakes, it turned out. You know, there were these secretaries signing on people's behalves and also machines that did signatures and all kinds of other things. Um, so that then, you know, you've got to be ahead of the game and you've got, you've got to figure out how to get a real one. You've got to figure out how to get, you know, that famous person to, you know, Ronald Reagan to give you his actual autograph through the mail rather than a so machine. So that, that, the notion that it's not all real forces you to really hone your expertise and the knowledge and the it does and then it's more rewarding when you get the actual thing you know you feel you feel triumphant yeah because other people just wouldn't know it's yeah. like when you first start to realize anything's not things are more complicated than you thought at first absolutely and then of course there is that moment when you say authenticity is everything there's that moment when you show what well, i remember it as a kid showing autographs that i'd got in the post to a dealer and him just saying no that's that's fake. That wasn't signed by Laurence Olivier. His daughter signed that. And it goes from being this valuable item to suddenly being, you know, you just chuck it in the street. You know, you, right, don't, right. you hate it <laughs> at that yes. point. Yeah. Like, all the, was it the fan club woman who used to do all the Beatles signatures from time to time? Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But, um, and how did, how did you, how quickly did you begin to pick up that, that close knowledge of 
how to tell a real Sinatra or a real Elvis? Well, I was sort of picking it up as I went along and making mistakes along the way. Um, there was one weird moment when I, I got this Frank Sinatra photo in the post. I wrote to Frank Sinatra in America. I didn't have his address, so I just put Frank Sinatra USA. <laughs> and it somehow got to wow. him or some something to do with him, one of his offices. And I got this photo in the post which had, in silver, it said... All the best, Frank Sinatra. And my parents were very excited about it. I'm not sure I even really knew who Frank Sinatra was in 1983 when I was nine. But um, my dad would show all his friends, go on, Adam, show, show them the Sinatra. Right. And then it gradually dawned on me over a number of weeks that it wasn't actually signed. There was a signature sort of imprinted in the photo. And if you look really closely, you could see that. And so I tried to smudge it, and there was no smudging to be, to okay. be done. And then I did this really curious thing, which is... I found a silver pen and I put a dot of ink on near the signature and I smudged that. Yeah. And then I went to my dad and said, oh, I thought this might be a print, but look, I've smudged it and it must be real. So you were fooling yourself. Sort of fooling, you wanted or definitely it, you, fooling my dad. But you wanted, it to be, you wanted it to be real. I really it, it wanted it to be real. I couldn't really cope with discovering that it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, a, it is, a, it is the authenticity has a... Well, they talk about it with, with this idea of uh, the aura, things that have an aura. Mm. And, and I think mm. true signatures are very much, it's about the aura, isn't it? It's, it's the hand that touched the hand. It's, it, Definitely. You know, and when you a religious see, thing. Absolutely. And when you see, so I used to go to these auctions and look through old autograph books that would be filled with the same signatures each time. There'd always be a Hitchcock with a little sketch. He used to do a little profile sketch. And there'd be Frank Sinatra and Walt Disney. And you get to know the flow of the writing so well that, as you're flicking through, you almost don't register that's Hitchcock. You just yeah. you recognise it immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you do start to get a sense of the person's that person's character somehow. Yeah. Uh, it seizes you. The real one, you can see it's real somehow. Yeah. I th- that is quite a common collector's phenomenon as well. I think by seeing a lot of things, a lot of versions of something somehow they do talk to each other and you begin to spot differences, draw connections mm. to understand better. Yes. You know, I certainly sort of feel like going through a box of cards you know, and you begin to sort of... Absolutely. Um, I remember this You one learn time, things without learning them, perhaps. I remember this one time I saw Ringo Starr being interviewed on by Frank Skinner on, right. on TV. And Frank Skinner, at the end of the interview, said... I hope you don't mind, but I want to show you this Beatles autograph. So he had his own Beatles autograph. Oh. And I know that there's, you know, I just want to, you to tell me if it's real or not. And I could see straight away that it was real. All right. And he showed it to Ringo Starr, and Ringo said, I wouldn't like to say. And basically, because there were so many yeah. of their secretaries yeah. who signed autographs yeah. for them, I recognised the real set, and Ringo wasn't sure. Wow. So that's the really peculiar part. It's a good story. answer, though, isn't it, from Ringo? That very <laughs> diplomatic. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but he yeah, doesn't you, want to say, oh, and all those others are fake. That's true. No, he was he was gentlemanly about it, but I did feel for Frank Skinner because I thought, oh, no, he's going to go home thinking it's fake because it was a strong hint that it wasn't the real yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And for comic effect, I suppose. But, mm-hmm. wow, so it was a real one. It was a real one. Well, there you are. We've all got to be very careful about seeing what's real and what's not real. It's a, it's a rule for life. <laughs> but if you've got a, I guess if you've got an autograph, just enjoy it, for God's sake. Yes. Very good. Look, thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming in and showing me these cards and, and telling me these stories. Um, I always say, I never know where the cards will send us. Although I had a hint today. I kind of knew we'd be talking about autographs. Um, but thanks for sharing them for me. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, another quick reminder for people at home. You'll be able to see all these cards um, 
Uh, and these are definitely authentic signatures um, on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk. And before we let Adam out into Fitzrovia, um, it's become a habit for us to end the show with one of these. Um, just there you go. That's, oh, uh, Adam, Adam's you. got it in his hands. A very greyish, well, it's a horrible colour, actually. I think rain's got to this. Mm. Describe it for us, Adam. Well, it looks like it's you could almost play it on a on a on an old record player. You There's a hole in the middle almost. that suggests that, and it says "Det Singende Postkort," which um, <laughs> no one can translate I that. I can't <laughs> tell you what that is, <laughs> but it's a nice building, and there's some nice sort of. Trees I think it's a, it. a castle in Copenhagen. Okay. Okay. Called the Rosenborg Castle, I believe. Okay. Um, well, it is a it is a record. It's a record. Oh, and, it's an actual record. Fantastic. And young Tom next door has made a digital file. We will be able to hear what it sounds like. So here's the record. It's got a long run in. Nice. Is that, is that Danish? Mm. Sounds like it. The singer is Rudy Marino. I, I don't think you ever got his autograph. I don't think so. You missed one. You missed one. Rudy Marino. That doesn't sound very Danish. No. Was it Denmark? Yeah, and I think he's singing. Oh, now we're in Italian. Oh. And we're jumping a bit. Okay, multinational. <laughs> Well, it's not bad for a bit of cardboard. It's amazing. Quite good quality. It is. Well, as the Rosenborg Palace continues to spin at exactly 45 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcasts from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guest for sharing the postcards from his past, Adam Andrusia. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.